And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard on this Saturday, July the 7th to the bat around. There are no guys uh, this week um, to start the show. There's just one guy and his very able producer who happens to be a gal. <laughs> Stan the fan here, and uh, we welcome you in uh, to another edition of the bat around. Brittany Everett is riding shotgun and making sure we get uh, all the sounds right and uh, get the phone numbers of our guests and get them on the horn. Here's what we've got for you on the show today. It's a bit of a mixed bag. Rich Dubroff will join us, our Press Box and Press Box Online beat writer. He joins us at 1020, as is his customary spot. At 1045, a longtime uh, baseball writer, and I actually met this guest as a professor of mine back in the... uh, Early 70s, Lee Lowenfish joins us. That was at UMBC, uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And we're proud to say that uh, UMBC made it to the, uh, what did they make it to, Britt? They, 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 g- they got into the, they, Virginia. they beat Virginia the, the first time a 16's ever beaten a one. So they got into the, the, the round of 32 uh, before they were eliminated by K-State, Kansas State. By the way, tomorrow morning at 10.30, Ryan Odom will be a guest of mine and Gary Stein's on Inside Press Box, uh, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Anyway, Lee Lonefish was a professor of mine back then in American Studies, an incredible baseball fan. He's gone on to write about five or six books on baseball, everything from uh, a book called The Imperfect Diamond, which was the first real case study of the labor uh, relationship between management and players uh, and how that was changed forever by Marvin Miller becoming the head of the Players Association. He's written a book called The Art of Pitching with Tom Seaver, and he wrote a book on the trainers in baseball uh, where he had some help from Barry Jacobs and, and some other trainers in that. And uh, his most recent book, uh, about two years old now, is um, a book on Branch Rickey uh, called The Ferocious Gentleman. I think that's the name of it. Um, Anyway, Lee Lowenfish will join us. He's always great. He's a lifelong Orioles fan, believe it or not. Not lifelong. Probably became an Orioles fan in his teens uh, because he lived in New York and everybody was a Yankee fan or a Giant fan, or a Dodger, or a Brooklyn Dodger fan. So somehow uh, he picked the Orioles. Or it might have been, you know, I've never really asked him that question. We'll talk to him about a little bit about that. But we're not going to beat a dead horse and just talk about the Orioles. We're going to talk about some of the issues uh, that are facing the game of baseball right now, the discussions about changing the, the shift rules, Um, talking about perhaps limiting the number of pitchers a manager can use in a given game. Uh, Some of these, uh, you know, the the issues surrounding why this year there are going to be at least one month of the six 
will have more strikeouts than base hits in a month. There's going to be 5,000 more strikeouts than there were last year. I think a total roughly of 42,000 strikeouts. Chris uh, Davis has a lot to do with that. He's got something to do with it, but I'll, <laughs> I'll bet when you're getting that high, I'll bet every team's got about three or four guys that have something to do with that. That's a pretty astounding number to go up 5,000 strikeouts from last year to this year. And I bet the shift, the shifting has something to do with that because my feeling with Chris Davis is that Davis was too talented a hitter to not have gotten totally screwed up in his head by the shifting. In other words, suddenly things that for six, seven years were base hits, the last two or three years coinciding with the big money, uh, suddenly stopped being hits. And he was battling for his batting average, couldn't have a respectable batting average, so I think he tried to lift everything out of the park and became Homer happy. Uh, and then you throw in a case of um, you know enormous expectations that went with his paycheck, and you've got a player that is sort of totally screwed up in his head. Uh, but again, uh, we'll talk to Lee Lowenfish about some of those things. And then uh, Steve Molesky joins us the last half hour. We were really desperate for a guest today. Right, Britt? Yeah, we I were mean, Brit- we were desperate. You really, you had question marks I and everything. Had question marks, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Our former producer, Bonza Tufa, is going to join us at about 11.05. Bonza's a good guy. Doesn't know much about baseball, but... Uh, we'll see what he can pull we'll, out of we'll his head. We'll see what he can pull out of his hat. Anyway, just kidding. Bonza's good people. <laughs> uh, we're, we're looking forward to talking to him on the phone. Um, let's take a look at this Oriole team, Britt. 24 and 63. It's absolutely mind-boggling. They are 35 games out of first place. Um, I mean, they're so bad, they are 19 games behind the third-place Tampa Bay Rays, who are just one game under 500. The Orioles are 39 games under 500. Absolutely astounding! Wow, um, uh, never seen anything like it. They're twelve. They're an equal opportunity losing team, though. They're twelve and twenty-nine at home, twelve and thirty-four on the road. Astoundingly enough, their last twenty games against American League opposition. Guess what their record is in the last twenty games against American League teams? One and nineteen. You got it. You <laughs> must have heard that last night. One and nineteen. Um, it, it's just, it get, goes from bad to worse almost on a nightly basis. Last night, uh, you had to be, if you're an Oriole fan, you had to be fairly excited about getting Dylan Bundy, arguably their best pitcher, back on the mound for a start. First one in 13 days since he hurt himself running the bases against the Atlanta Braves. It's funny, I was watching that game, and it was actually two weeks ago today. It was a Saturday afternoon game in Atlanta. And in about the third inning, Dylan got an infield hit, and it was like a 95-degree day. And I said, this is going to be the worst thing that could possibly happen to the Orioles. And sure enough, Bundy went station to station. He went from first to second on a hit, Mm -hmm. and he's out there in the heat. Then he went from second to third, either on another hit. It was another hit. So the bases are loaded. And then I think it was Valencia hit a line drive to left field that he kind of took off 
and didn't realize he, his only chance would have been to tag up, but he had gotten off the base, and they weren't going to send him anyway. But somewhere in that trip around, he did end up scoring, but somewhere in that trip around, he tangled his ankle, he turned his ankle, and sure enough, he had to miss a start or two starts. Got back last night and was not very good. He was awful in the first inning with his location. Had great second and third inning, and then it all went to hell in the fourth. He couldn't even get out of the fourth inning. He went into that fourth inning, I think, at 30, 32 or 34 pitches after the first three innings. The first inning, he'd thrown 19 or 20. Then in his second and third, it took him about 12 pitches. And you said, wow, Dylan Bundy's back. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he gave up those three runs. Uh, and, um, you know, the Orioles were down 6 0. Uh, they got back to 6 1. They got back to 6 2. They had ample opportunities to get in this game. Tim Beckham made an inexcusable. Did you watch any of it? I didn't catch the game yeah, last night. Yeah, I don't blame you. You had better <laughs> things to do. Young girl like you out partying with everybody, right? I was hanging out with my parents. Oh, well, like <laughs> I said, a young, nice girl. Hanging with her parents on a Friday night. Anyway, uh, Tim Beckham inexcusably got thrown out at home plate. And and I have to say, you can't fully blame Bobby Dickerson. When they showed the replay, unless he was verbally yelling, stay, stay, or go, go, Dickerson was down the line about 15 feet, and his hands were on his hip. I guess he assumed that Beckham had to play. It was a line single to left field. I think it was Adam Jones got the hit, or it might have been Machado, I'm not sure. But a line single to left field, and it got to the left fielder so fast, Edwin Rosario, and he was just getting to third base, and he never hesitated a second. You see Bobby Dickerson 15 feet down the line, and he's not like holding his hands up, stop, and he's not waving go, I think he was somewhat shocked that Beckham didn't see the play right in front of him and say, hey, I better stop. I mean, you're down four runs there, you right. know, and you've got an opportunity for a big inning. Trumbo's coming up. Uh, he was thrown out by five feet at the plate, yeah, seven feet. You can't risk it. Terrible, terrible decision-making. Uh, can't say it cost us the game, but it cost us an opportunity to get back in the game and then Fernando Rodney came in and did a, a decent job in the ninth. No save, but um, they win. Lance Lynn, the winner. Uh, what's, what's particularly astounding about the Orioles, Britt, is, and I made this point on after bird watching. and by the way, I owe everybody a, an apology. I'm, I'm working as feverishly as I know how without a staff of technicians to figure out what to do with my home Wi-Fi. It's just this year, it's been a disaster. And my wife and I have spent about $400 getting a network extender that I thought might help me do the thing on my phone. That has no bearing, apparently, on the Wi-Fi. Then we bought pods from Xfinity that are supposed to strengthen the Wi-Fi signal around the house by placing them sort of around the house. Awful last night. I don't know, maybe I'm doing something wrong but I got bumped off in about 12 minutes, got bumped off six times, and I finally threw my hands up and said, you know, I, I can't no more. I can't do it. So uh, 
I'll be back at it today after the Orioles and the Twins game, somewhere in the 5.30, quarter to 6 range. Anyway, uh, getting back to what I was talking about on after bird watching, I've been pointing out for a while, in early June, as bad as the Orioles were, you were looking for a little bit of a glimmer of hope. They went to play the Mets two games, and the Mets were really stumbling badly at the time. And sure enough, the Orioles swept the Mets up in City Field by, I think, a combined score of 4-2 to two or 3-2 to two over two games. And then they're going to Toronto, and the Blue Jays were ice cold. The Blue Jays were 5-17 and 17 in their last 22 games before the Orioles got there. What does Toronto do? Sweeps the Orioles in four games. I mean, it's unbelievable we were the – we were the remedy for what ailed the um, the Toronto Blue Jays. Fast forward three weeks, the Angels come to town. The Angels have lost 13 of 17 games when they come to Baltimore. What do they do? They win the first two games of the series, beat the Orioles two out of three. A downtrodden team, a lot of injuries they're facing, but yet they beat the Orioles. Now we go to Minnesota. Minnesota was on a six-game losing streak had lost 11 of 13. What do they do? They beat us the first two games. We are so far and away, well, the the only saving grace is the Kansas City Royals. The Royals are equally as bad. The Royals have a half-game lead over the Baltimore Orioles, I think. Uh, Actually, yeah, a half-game, I think they would be a half-game Actually, mathematically, they'd be tied. There might be a percentage point or two difference. Uh, The Royals would be slightly better. Their winning percentage is 287. Ours is 276. We've played 87 games. The Royals have played 87 games. So we'd be one game behind the Royals right now. That's what it would be. Okay? It's not that complicated. They play the same number of games. They are equally as bad as the Orioles, 11-33 and 33 at home, 14-27 and 27 on the road. They have a 172-run differential. The Orioles have a 134-run differential. Third in the American League is the White Sox with a 118-run differential. To give you an idea how bad that is, in the National League, only one team has a differential of over 100 runs, and that's the Miami Marlins. I mean, the Mets, as bad as they are, the Mets are about 10 games better than the Orioles. Their their run differential is just 53 runs. The Pittsburgh Pirates are in fourth place. Their run differential is 41. The Cincinnati Reds, by the way, the Reds, what a great story. 3-15 and 15 when Jim Riggleman was brought in to replace Brian Price. The, they have gone since that time. They are 36 and 35. They're over 500 over 71 games, and they were the worst team in baseball. They were below the Orioles when they fired uh, Brian Price, who really stayed on that job about two and a half years, two, two, two years plus uh, 18 games too long. Anyway, we are at 1018 on the batter round. Now we're at 1016. On the bat around, Rich Dubroff is going to join us in just a moment. Um, big stories uh, surrounding the Orioles continue to be the um, ever-increasing and shrinking Manny Machado trade market. 
We heard uh, earlier in the week uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece about it. Uh, Jim Bowden uh, of MLB.com and MLB TV and XM Radio, MLB station, has um, been chiming in on this. He says there are eight teams that he has canvassed that have admitted to having had talks about Manny Machado with the Orioles. And he ranked the Phillies and the Cardinals as perhaps the top two teams. Nobody is uh, meeting the Orioles' rather lofty price. Um, The Orioles apparently have gotten rebuffed by the Phillies on an even-up swap for Zach Eflin, the young uh, pitcher who, by the way, was not very good last year, uh, both in the minors or the majors last year. But he's been sensational this year. I think he's 7-2. and two. His earned run average is 2.9. He's done a terrific job, but the Orioles aren't getting him. Then there's a, another pitcher in the Phillies organization, uh, Sixto. I should know this name by now. Let's see. Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies. Triple, triple A. Uh, let's see, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Let's find the stats and scores. And watch, he'll probably be a double A, this guy. Anyways, I think his name is Sexto Sanchez. Is that his name? Help me here. Help me. No, nope, he's not. Doesn't appear to be. He doesn't appear to be at their triple A franchise. Okay. Anyway, Zach Eflin, by the way, the earlier this year had four starts at the AAA level, and his earned run average was 4.05, two and two record in 20 innings. His whip was 125. He had given up no home runs though in those 20 innings, but he's come up and been a real lifesaver for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, and the Orioles are not getting him, which gets back to the point of there's no question. The Orioles are, they're, they're frankly, they're a, a year late in doing this. Uh, and if you can just conjure up the difference the Oriole organization would be had they traded Manny Machado last June or July and had they traded Zach Britton. You, you might not have, we might not have gotten slam dunk 100% three studs in a deal. But there's no question the organization as a whole would be a lot healthier right now, a lot more fortified with some prospects in the pipeline than they are now. For all the talk about the Orioles' improvements in their farm system, uh, the, the bottom line, one of the problems the Orioles have is that their farm system continues to be really in the second tier of Major League Baseball. Joining us right now is somebody who has gone around at some at a few free moments this spring and some early summer and seen some of those prospects. Uh, Rich Dubroff, who covers baseball for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, how are you? I'm great, Stan. How are you? Good, Rich. Uh, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, what the heck. Let's, let's do it for a moment, at least. How much better off would the Orioles have been had they uh, really marketed Machado and Britain extensively last June. Last what, last, last year? June, yeah. They you know, really tried to well, move them they, last year. They probably would have gotten 
a similar package uh, from the Astros uh, than the uh, that the uh, similar uh, to the one that the Tigers got for Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Machado, I don't know. Yeah. Because that wasn't, you know, I, I know, um, I, I, I've been told that, um, you know, the, the packages were similar, what was offered to the Orioles uh, and, and the Tigers. I, I don't know about, I don't know about Machado. Yeah. Because also remember a year ago, he was not having a good at the All Star break, he was not hitting very well at all. That's he good... had a horrible, um, you know, a horrible first half. Right, and he had a good second half. And so I, I don't know what uh, you know what but, they would. But have it's fair. It's fair to say that had they been really more pragmatic and and realistic in what their hopes were for con- seriously contending for a championship last year. It's fair to say that they would have some fortifications in their minor league pipeline now, wouldn't it? Sure. Be? I mean, yeah. especially with Britain, you know. I mean, especially with Britain, with Britain, because you know that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you basically know about what they were for. But the, you know, I I was off seeing uh, Bowie last night, right? And I wrote about Ryan McKenna uh, for today, their uh, their outfield prospect. Uh, and you know, I I looked at that team, and there there's not a, a lot. You know, right. it's not a great team. I think you know some of your comments are, are pretty interesting um, about them being the lower tier. I don't know that they're necessarily in the lower tier. I think I, I said so the word you know, I used was second tier. They're, they're not. They're not in the top. The they're not in the top half. They're not in no. the top half. They're they're right at the bottom of the top. I, I'd say you know they're yeah. right at the bottom of the top half in the fifth. 13, you know, I, 13 I to 17 range. 13 to 17. They're somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and a team that's somewhere in the middle with not a lot of prospects at Bowie right now. Um, no, but the, pro- the thing, the problem is, Stan, I think that they have, their minor leagues haven't done a bad job at developing players. Right. But they're depth players. They don't have, mm-hmm. they don't have the top shelf players. And the, the thing that we've talked about so many times, uh, their their inability or their refusal to uh, enter the, La- the the Latin American market to 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 uh, to swing for uh, top shelf prospects there that's hurt them immeasurably because that means that you have to hit everywhere else you have to hit in your U.S. draft prospects you have to hit in free agency you have to hit in trades and they they haven't done that so. Uh, until they get into the the Latin American market, yeah. their uh, you know their farm system can't really be yeah you know they're, top shelf you know top shelf. They're uh, they're but, playing you know, with one hand tied behind their back essentially. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know they've done you know as I pointed out you know they have a higher percentage of homegrown players on their team now than they've had in years. But a lot of them are. You know, a lot of them are are kind of depth pieces. Yep, yep. We're um, talking. You know, they're good. You know, they're good major league players. I mean, they're okay from you know in, in the second half of the twenty five man roster, but they don't really have these uh, you know the, these guys that that wow you. We're talking you know, with like the Blue Jays. We're talking um, with Rich Dubroff, Guerrero you know, Jr. We're talking with Rich um, Dubroff, know. who covers the Orioles for Press Box and PressBoxOnline.com. Go ahead. I know I interrupted you. 
Yeah, but I mean, they don't have, you know, none, none of their, their players really in the minor leagues makes you go, wow. Yep. Uh, a lot of people are really uh, high on um, Grayson Rodriguez, who they, uh, you know, who's their top draft choice this year, but he is not, uh, he has not pitched yet for, um, for Gulf Coast. Uh, you know, Caden Grenier, uh, who they, uh, who they need to be a, uh, uh, you know, an impact player, uh, just started this week for, uh, for Delmarva. And it's certainly unusual, uh, for the Orioles to have a, you know, a player start at, um, you know, not at entry level, not right. at Gulf Coast or Aberdeen. And he's somebody that they're, they, they desperately need to be good. Rich, um, I, I did something this week on after bird watching. I started a little bit of a comparison with JD Martinez, um, uh, basically, and his trade from the Tigers to the Arizona Diamondbacks last year. And it might be an interesting piece for you to look into. Uh, I, I really examined the three-player package that they got back. And that trade, just so you know, timing-wise, was made July 18th last year. And the players that they got back, they got back three in middle infielders. Um, Doal Lugo. D-A-W-E-L-L. He was the number four Arizona prospect at the time. Uh, Actually, he was the number four Arizona prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, at the time of the trade. He was in double-A last year, and that's where he is. uh, Actually, he's in triple-A this year. They got a high-A infielder named Sergio Alcantara and a teenage shortstop named Jose King. Lugo this year at Toledo is batting 273, 19 doubles, three triples, two home runs, 34 RBIs, 39 runs, but 283 on base percentage and seven stolen bases. But he is at Triple A. Alcantara is at Erie in 258 at bats, batting 275, 12 doubles, three triples, no home runs, 22 RBI, 30 runs. 329 on base percentage, and Jose King is still at the New York Penn League. He's just 19 years old, and in 36 at bats, he's batting 167 at New York Penn League. That's what they got for J.D. Martinez. It sure as hell sounds like what I'm hearing the Orioles trying to get with the clock ticking uh, exceeds that package in some ways. Well, you would think so because uh, Machado plays a more important position than JD Mor- you know, than JD Martinez. And also, yes, the Orioles desperately need infield prospects, right? But they want young pitching. You know, they want yeah. they want some more young pitching too. Uh, so, you know, and and there are going to be tons of rumors between now and the time that Machado is dealt. Yeah, uh, I know that they're you know the Orioles are are actively looking at. Farm systems. I've heard, you know, a couple of teams mentioned who have made, you know, real proposals uh, to the Orioles. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think that that the, he will get he will get dealt. And you don't, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to tell instantly what they got for him. You know, that's right. it, because you know they may not be getting major league ready players. Do you um, buy back for you know back for him? Do you buy that the Philadelphia Phillies have totally walked away from this? Uh, we no, heard right I, last just night. like I don't, didn't necessarily buy when uh, 
when Dan Duquette a couple of years ago said that the offers to uh, you know Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo were off the table. Right. You know, right. a lot of thing, things come and go. You know, things come and go. And you know, who knows? Maybe at the last second, the Red Sox swoop in, as they've done in the past with a uh, you know with an attractive uh, offer for the Orioles. So. Uh, you know, and it's interesting you mentioned J.D. Martinez. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about the Astros as being the model organization. Well, the Astros released J.D. Martinez. I know. I know. You know, I mean, anybody could have had him. And uh, and they, you know, the, the Astros have made um, some some huge draft mistakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Brady, you know, Brady Aiken and Mark Appel. So uh, no. it just shows that, uh, you know, that even... Even world champions uh, aren't perfect here. Look at look at the Chicago Cubs. We we can arguably say that there's no question Theo Epstein will get into the Hall of Fame at some point in the not too distant future. And yet he signed Carl Crawford in Boston, Jason Hayward in Chicago, and you Darvish in Chicago. You know, uh, yeah, three right colossal now, flops. Uh, and right now, even though you know it, it for a while, it seemed like there was a lot of chatter. About Addison Russell and and for Manny Machado yep. and maybe something else. The Cubs farm system is is nearly barren yeah. because their best prospects are playing or were traded uh, to get uh, you know to, to get a Chapman. Yep. Chapman. Yep. And uh, and uh, and Quintana last year. So uh, you know the Cubs may be a, a hard team. Uh, to match up with. So it's going to be interesting because one of the other things about Machado is, you know, he reiterated this week when uh, the Orioles were in Philadelphia that he wants to be a shortstop. Yep. Well, I have no doubt that if he were traded this year and they said, uh, and he was told that he had to play third base with that contending team, that he would happily play third base. I agree. But yeah. I, I think it's just interesting because I think he, he may very well be hurting himself on the free agent market with his insistence, insistence if, if he carries on this insistence to uh, to play in shortstop I, I don't really think it would hurt the it hurt the trade market yeah. for him apparently because, as i said two months at third base uh you know for a possibility to ring yeah. well he's not going to walk away from that yeah. apparently eno saras of the of the athletic has written a piece where where he's not ready to to totally castigate Machado as a shortstop. He says the sample size is, is too small at this point, but he hasn't helped himself. Uh, in no, he hasn't helped himself. Also, I don't think he's helped. You know, I said to you many times, uh, you know, during spring training and early in the season, that I thought the Machado move to shortstop was going to be a non-story. Right. It, it turned out, um, a non-factor. It, it's turned out to be a factor, but there are so many other um, <laughs> more, uh, more important it, factors. And it didn't help him, I think, that he had Danny Valencia at third for two months. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, and Beckham isn't an awful Beckham isn't an awful third baseman. He's a better shortstop than he is a yeah. third baseman. But you're having two new guys at uh, at positions. And I think that that's, that that's certainly helped him. If there were an established third baseman that he were playing with, right. I think his numbers at short would uh, uh, would be better. And also, he had three weeks uh, without a really good second baseman mm-hmm. as well earlier in the year when uh, when Scope was out. 
Well, you've 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 sort sort of poo pooed that at the beginning of the year. You're right on one an awful lot of things. I, I just again, I've I got over it rather quickly because I the year he's having offensively, I think that that's what Buck Showalter was buying into that he would get a more fully engaged Machado, a happier Machado if he were playing short, and I think Buck probably accurately thought that that was the best thing for the team uh, to have him peeking out offensively. I don't think it's fair to say that Buck should have known that Scope would be this bad, that uh, Mancini would be this bad. I, I think had the other players... And that Beckham would be hurt. And that and, Beckham, and that would, be Beckham would be hurt, exactly. So Yeah, uh, so, you know. yeah. And, and as I said, Stan... They have so many other big problems. Yes, yes, they do. Rich, this where, isn't, you know, this is this is very, very small in comparison. Where do you place? And I know it's really hard to quantify, but you know, if if Darren O'Day and Richard Blyer were both healthy and pitching very well, they could have been valuable chips. Had Hunter Harvey and Austin Hayes uh, been healthy. Perhaps the Orioles really could have looked into trading a Bundy or a Gosman. You know, in other words, how much has bad luck started to factor into this thing? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they would have uh, looked at uh, you know looked at making you know more trades had those younger guys been better. Yeah. Um, because I think you know I, I think it's going to be. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks to see if Adam, if you know, if Adam Jones is, is yep. traded. Yeah. Because it, you know, there's so much talk about Machado that sort of Britain, you know, Britain and uh, and Jones are sort of uh, almost cast aside. I, I think it's going to be a very sad day for Baltimore when uh, Adam Jones walks out that door. Yeah. Do you see him walking out the door definitely one way or the other, either a trade not, or... Not totally. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if he's trade, you know, I think that if he's traded, it certainly lessens the chances of, of, of him coming back. But again, he, uh, he can help, uh, decide, you know, he can help decide that. There's going to be, and certainly there should probably be a bigger market for um, Machado than for Jones. But, you know, lost in this is just how great a player he has been in Baltimore over his career. His consistency that, you know, the, the contract, as bad as the contract for Chris Davis is, yeah. they got a terrific yes. deal for, uh, you know, for Adam Jones. And he, you know, in a, in a difficult season, he's still putting up decent, you know, he's still putting up decent numbers for him. Hey, we've we've beat this uh, like a uh, a drum a, a few times this year. I know he's not having a great year, and the guy I'm talking about is the second baseman. Uh, when the club trades Machado, is it a foregone conclusion then that Jonathan would play out and either and I, he can't hope to end up playing again with Manny? But do you think it's a foregone conclusion they're going down the exact same path there? Or do you see a window, perhaps fueled by a little bit of a lesser season, maybe a good second half, but where the Orioles could come to some type of four or five year deal with uh, Scope? No, um, I, I think that they are heading down the the same road, and I think that Scope uh, would you know not want 
what he would probably think was a, a below market offer to stay, even though I think it would be a good thing yeah. uh, for the Orioles. Because I think, you know, assuming if Mach- if Machado and Jones and Britton aren't there, well, I, I think that they, the that Oriole fans need somebody to, to identify with. Yep. And I think Scope, you know, could be that could be that guy. I think it would be a good thing to have him long term. But I, I would bet he would bet on himself for, that he would have you know a Machado type year and I, make himself an attractive free agent. I wrote know, in in October two thousand nineteen. I wrote in Jay Moore in May that his cold April and then the injury to me, afforded the Orioles a little bit of an opportunity. Clearly, they've been so distracted by so many different things, and we're not quite sure who's running the ship of state and what the philosophies of, of that person or persons are. Uh, but, you know, once upon a time, uh, Jonathan Scope did not fully bet on himself. He took the money from that, um, what's it called, fan um, uh, oh God! The the organization that buys out a percentage of your contract, right? Um, do you remember the name of it right now? No, I don't. But I okay, know, but yeah, you know what uh, I'm talking uh, about. Future, yeah. He, I, I thought I, they buy out a uh, they buy out a percentage of his future earnings. Correct. And I so. thought that the fact that he had once done that might say that when times are tough for him, he might say, you know what. I'll take sixty-four million dollars for four years, or or seventy-eight. Million. Well, the time to have done that, you know, the time to have done that was you know two thousand and sixteen or two thousand seventeen. Yeah, and I, I think that you know once these once players get really close to free you know the free agency and the prospects for the team mm-hmm. aren't very good, then uh, you know then you know then then I think they already have one eye you know looking elsewhere. All right, we're talking with Rich Dubroff. Rich, uh, the Orioles are in uh, Minnesota today. Kevin Gosman uh, pitching uh, today against Kyle Gibson of the um, of the Twins. It's been pretty amazing. Obviously, we can slice it, and dice it, chop it up any way you want. But what's been astounding is three times this year in the last month, the Orioles have played ice cold teams. Toronto was 5 and 17 when we went into Toronto. They swept us in 4. The Angels had lost 13 out of 17. They won the first 2 out of 3. Uh and then this situation with the Twins having lost 11 of 13, 6 in a row and they beat us 2 in a row. It's really staggering how poorly this team is playing right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The only time that worked in reverse was um they, they exacerbated the the Mets. Um, yeah. Uh, that two the, game the series at Citi Field. Yeah. The Mets were, you know, sort of on a similar, uh, yeah. you know, similar path. Uh, and, you know, and there's a team that's playing even worse uh, lately than the uh, than the Orioles, and that's the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but uh, unfortunately for the Orioles, uh, they won't see them till uh, uh, the end of <laughs> August. Yeah, it, uh, the hits just keep on coming. Um, Talk a little bit about um, the starting rotation right now. They they keep throwing us these uh, figures, and they they don't seem like they're Pollyanna in the sky or pie in the sky. But the Orioles have had about the sixth or sixth to eighth highest number of quality starts this season. Over forty quality starts. They have, and you know some of those 
well, you know, if a pitcher uh, pitches, you know, gives up three or three three run earned runs in six innings. Well, that's a four point. That's a quality start, yeah. but that's a four point five ERA, right? Which isn't something to get thrilled about. Um, but you know, look at all the games where the Orioles, you know, score a run or two, yeah, or three. Okay. You know, they just don't. I think it's been thirty-eight or thirty-nine times. Them. I think it's been thirty-eight or thirty-nine times they've scored two runs or yeah. less. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, last night was a little different because they were, um, you know, they they were out of the game pretty uh, pretty early with uh, with Bundy pitching uh, pitching poorly. But uh, you know, they they just haven't had. You know, it's funny. There have been so few um, exciting games. You know, most of the games have just been well. You know. If a team scores four runs against them, you pretty much know it's over. Yeah, yeah, it has felt that way. Um, in your estimation, how's the skipper holding up in all of this? It's been hard on. It's certainly been hard on him. But you know, before the games, he he still, you know, I, I still think he has the hunger for it. You know, he still wants to do it. He's engaged. He's talking. You know, he, he privately talks about prospects for next year what the team can do next year he's eager to take a look at the draft picks so he's fully in, you know he's fully engaged but obviously uh it's been a tough year on all right it's been a tough year on all of us in different ways and different uh proportions rich dubroff doing a super job for pressbox pressboxonline.com we'll catch you next week all right all right thank you stan thank you have a good week all right there you have it rich dubroff Time to pay a few bills, and one of the bills I want to pay is my friend Steve Garland over at Big Bats, right? Big Bats, let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar, located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland, on the way down or back to and from the eastern shore. There's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's, Nats, Wizards, Caps, and uh, also sample the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs, and you'll be able to watch the, the Ravens and the uh, Redskins pretty soon down there at uh, Big Bats. Uh, check them out. Tell them Stan the Fan sent you. Get red, white, and blue savings on over 1,300 new and used Toyotas and Chevrolets at Jerry's Auto Group with savings up to an explosive $15,000. Plus, 0% financing is still available on many new models. So put down that sparkler and hot dog and visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, Jerry's Chevrolet on Jaffa Road, and online at jerrysitsaboutyou.com. Special financing with approved credit. Savings vary by model. Sale ends July 9th. Join the Ironbirds for Maryland Sports Weekend, July 20th through 22nd. On Friday the 20th, the club will recognize baseball's Ironman, hometown hero Cal Ripken Jr. Saturday, July 21st, members of the 1983 World Championship team will be in Aberdeen along with the World Series trophy. The attention flips to football on Sunday, July 22nd when the Super Bowl trophy, Poe, and Ravens cheerleaders travel up I-95 to the ballpark. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. 
To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5, including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for 30 solid seconds and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports Stan the fan back here. I want to talk to you about joining the Ironbirds for Maryland Sports Weekend July 20th, 21st, and 22nd. On Friday the 20th the club will recognize baseball's Ironman hometown hero Cal Ripken Jr. On Saturday July 21st Members of the 1983 World Championship team will be in Aberdeen along with the World Series trophy. The attention flips to football on Sunday, July 22nd, when the Super Bowl trophy Poe and the Ravens cheerleaders travel up I-95 to the ballpark. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. And we are back here on the bat around on this Saturday, the 7th of July. And uh, the season of misery continues. On to talk about a little bit about that, but maybe some of uh, baseball's other issues is an old friend, an old professor, and a great baseball writer, Lee Lowenfish. Lee, how are you? Season of misery. Wow. <laughs> that that sort of sums it up. I'm, I'm fine. It's beautiful weather, finally. The humidity's gone for a weekend. Yep. And so... Uh, there's there's plenty to uh, celebrate, but but unfortunately not in my my former beloved town because it's really uh, if anything can go bad it will it seems. Hey, and I, there's no joy that that's what that's what gets me. You, you know? and I have known each other since probably '72. I'm guessing 1972, somewhere right around then. Right when you were professor of American studies at UMBC. I know we've talked about this before. You are almost a lifelong Orioles fan, and I can't remember the, how that started, though. What, you, you're from New York. Was it just sort of a, 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 a fight against conventionality where everybody was rooting for the Yankees, the Giants, or the Dodgers? No, no. I, I started 
as a, as a New York Giants fan, okay. and I actually rooted against both the Dodgers and the Yankees, excepting uh, in the World Series, where I, you know, could never root for the Yankees. Right. And um, uh, the uh, I came to Baltimore to teach at Goucher before I met you. Okay. And the Orioles were already beginning to uh, get on my radar because they were beating the Yankees beginning in the mid sixties, you know, they had this amazing record of 21 out of 25 at Yankee stadium in the later sixties. And, and I have to admit that uh, being you know, a, a Mets fan and that they weren't the Yankees. Um, I went to game two, the, the Koosman, uh, near no hitter against the Orioles. And I was happy for the Mets, but beginning in 70, that's when I've been orange and black forever. And, uh, and and you and I, I remember a lot was cemented when you got those great tickets for the Yankee doubleheader. Yep. I guess it was September 74 when Boog won the game as a pinch hitter in the 17th, 17th inning. That was the first game. Right. And then the second game, Earl Williams went, went berserk uh, at the fan who was shouting big money at him. And uh, <laughs> you, you don't remember. And I think I told you I met Mike Wallace at Scouts Dinner. And he told me he, he was pitching for the Yankees at that time. In fact, he I think he won the next game in that series. He told me it was his buddy growing up in suburban Washington and Virginia. It was his buddy that was shouting at the at at Earl Williams. Williams. That's funny. And he couldn't believe I was at that game. Yeah. So you know we've had memories. I mean, Lord. Uh, I don't know if you've had Dave Rubenstein on your show, but I've a great memory in 77. He had these tickets. I bumped into him, and I wound up as a doubleheader against Milwaukee that we swept. Dave Chris, Dave Crisone hit a yeah. home run, yeah. and, and I was sitting next to Chris Dower. And, uh, and, and so I, it was amazing the, the connections I have. And then I went to seven out of the eight games with the Yankees and in, in the and I guess it was late July, early August nineteen eighty. I was at seven of the eight and the eighth one I was talking about the imperfect diamond at the Washington Post uh, studios in DC, so we had our eye on that game. So I mean, you know, there's so many great memories. Sitting in the bleachers with my friend Alan from D C in eighty three who actually grew up in uh, Pikesville and um uh, Dempsey hits a big homer to win the game, and, uh, and we're sitting in the bleachers, and Bobby Brown misplays a big ball out there. So many great memories. So now, I mean, it's it's so hard to watch, and I and you know, it's not just Baltimore that that looks like it's having not just a bad season, but it looks like it may be irrelevant. I mean, look at Kansas City. Terrible. They had less, they they listed less than 25,000 people. So there must have been about 15,000 there. And, and our old friend Jason Hamill gives up eight runs in the first two innings. Uh, it isn't a game, you know? So, I mean, this is happening around baseball. And uh, I, I don't, uh, the schedule is crazy. I mean, Toronto, uh, was playing on the 4th of July in Toronto, which is not their holiday. Right, right, right. I, I, it, it's the dumbest schedule I've, I've seen. And, you know, ultimately, I guess they want to make 30 teams and different divisions, but that's, uh, uh, or even more geographic, geographical divisions. I'm not crazy about that idea, but the, I think the bottom line about baseball is there's not 
much leadership right now, to put it mildly. Hey, uh, a week ago, I was listening to XM Radio and uh, the show The Front Office with uh, Jim Bowden and uh, Jim Bowden and uh, Steve Phillips. And I finally heard, you, you know, July the 1st or the last day of June is Bobby Bonilla Day, you know, where oh, he gets yes, his Oh, yes, there was a big check. piece in that, right. Are, are you, were, have you always been familiar with exactly the, the part that Bernie Madoff played in that, that contract, that buyout? No. Well, I, I, Steve, I, I mean, I've heard that if, Steve if Phillips, uh, the Mets had had Bonilla's lawyer, which was Dennis Gilbert, in fact, I think. Well, but Steve Phillips explained it in absolute detail the other day. They owed him... They were not in dire financial shape at the time. This is in 2000 or 2001, but they want to desperately get Benio off the books. And they come up with a plan, and it had to be approved by both Benio, his agent, and the Players Association. And they came up with the idea, and this was before the Wilpons got burned by uh, Bernie Madoff, they put the $5.9 million they owed him into an annuity, and Bernie Madoff's people estimated that in 35 years' time, that $5.9 million would be roughly between 45 and $60 million. So they came up with a deal where they didn't have to pay Bonilla anything for 10 years. Then on 2011, for the next 25 years, he would get $1.2 million every July 1st. And the reason was Madoff's people sold Wilpon a bill of goods that they would make that that much return, and the Mets would actually make fifteen to twenty million dollars on the deal. Uh, needless to say, they got burned for all of it. Yeah, well, the problem with planning things in baseball is you can't plan for stupidity. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and if you look through. If you look through baseball history, I mean, how many good teams have have there been over the years, over the decades? You know, not uh, not that many, but but good organizations are the ones to model after. You know, I've been reading a lot for this book I'm doing on baseball scouts about the Braves built one, uh, the Royals built one. In fact, that you know what's happening with the Royals to me not emotionally involved, but it's as sad as what's happening with the Orioles. I mean, yeah. the Royals were the best expansion team ever. I mean, they got to the to the playoffs and had those great series with the Yankees in, in less than 10 years from their creation in 69. Right. And, yeah, they were, and sure, they were yeah. a model organization, no question and, about it. And they built it. They built it through player development mainly. You know, they, they, they and um, and the Braves kind of did that too. You know, they had the big. The, they did get Maddox, who uh, was a tremendous player, a trem- and, and undervalued, obviously, by the Cubs. And uh, and at that time, the Cubs, you know, were, had the, were run by the Tribune Company, so they had a lot of they had a lot of money. You know, what's interesting is that the unsung hero, because he's not wanting the publicity in the Yan- Yankee rise, is Jim Hendry. Who is Cashman's assistant? Who stays out of the media right. glow? And and I'm, I'm sure he got burned in Chicago, but but he he helped develop 
a lot of those players. You know, the Cubs had a good player development system, but they just let a lot of people get away. No question about it. We're talking with Lee Lowenfish. Lee is a uh, baseball writer. Lee, tell our uh, listeners and viewers on Facebook Live that can't see you, uh, but but they're viewing the show nonetheless. Tell them about your new book and what is it geared for coming out next April? The book on baseball scouts. No, no, people. If if I really get all the, the work done, it could be out in a year in the twenty twenty. Okay. And and I'm, I've, I'm there's a big literature of baseball scouts, but there's also uh, I've met many of them. I was honored. One of my greatest thrills was to get a baseball service award from the New York. Um, uh, scouting uh, group, uh, the Hot Stove League, uh, a few years ago, and I, I, to me, it's always been a fascination on how do you develop talent, how do you see in an eighteen, nineteen year old, or uh, or a sixteen year old down in uh, in the Dominican and the Caribbean, what somebody's going to be in 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 the age of twenty or twenty one, and and what it is, you got to understand tools. And I think that this, the best short definition of what good scouting and player development is, is that are those tools going to turn into baseball winning skills? And it's not easy. It's not easy. And um, I'm not against some of the new statistics that are coming along, but what I am against is the people who think that exit velocity and BABIP and all these acronyms that you can't quite understand right. are the key because the the key is is the whole picture, you know, and and makeup, and and makeup is uh, I saw one of the best uh, descriptions of makeup is is just how does it all fit together in the guy's mentality? And I guess the hardest thing to watch the, the, with the Orioles today is to see every game there's Buck and John Russell sits you know at the dugout steps looking like something out of a Grant Wood painting, uh, no emotion showing. And uh, a guy robs your uh, somebody of a home run, and and it sort of dictates the, the course of the game. I mean, and that's that's where makeup comes in. And uh, I, I'm I'm kind of amazed that there's been no no change uh, made this year. You know, I mean, I don't believe in ritual firings, but I mean, how, uh, I don't well, like it's to. A, it's, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. it's a law. It's a lost season getting back. I didn't want to spend our. 20 minutes talking about the Orioles for 18 well, of it. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but, but you such can't a, go, I mean, you can't charge. I mean, of course you can. I mean, nowadays, you know, people get away with what they get away with. You can't say it's a lost season that you know, that in a given day, you can't come and play to win and act like you want to win. Right. I mean, I'm sure deep down they want to win, but it's so easy, and every now and then someone even betrays this publicly. But, but I'm talking, that, Lee, yeah. I'm talking more about it's lost in the sense that clearly this is an organization that didn't have its plan of succession in place, and and as, as happens to all of us, uh, you know, age wins the battle, and the Orioles were not prepared for succession. You know, and and it's caught and up they with still them. Aren't. And, and they well, still, <laughs> I would say that they are probably in the midst of their plan right now. And to to fire a hitting coach or a pitching coach, uh, I, I don't think it. I, I don't think it mattered to. And in the long scheme of things, 
they're they're either going to make it or break it over the next two three years. And how badly it's broken right now. There was nothing that one of those ceremonial firings would have done. Well, I I, I think that's part of the uh, uh, the dilemma that the Orioles have, or the perfect storm was happening. You know, yeah. because Buck is a general. I mean, Buck. I give him credit for this, you know. I mean, other man, other managers and coaches like Jim Carroll up there and uh, uh, Pete Carroll up there with the with the Seahawks, you know. All right, you, uh, he fired the right. the coordinators and stuff because he wanted the job. I mean, you know, Buck is loyal loyal to his people. Yeah. But you know, as somebody, when you say lost season, why does one go to a game? And I think a lot of people aren't going. Well, I mean, uh, and and the club is uh, has kind of weighed that the the folks that are putting their eyeballs to this now are they're slowly but surely they hired their new COO uh, the other day which is a sign that that Peter is not really making the big big decisions because they're they brought in a real veteran guy that has a pretty attractive resume this John Vidalian who I'm going to be doing some more research on but I uh, listen it's it's the most miserable. This is worse than '88. This is worse than the 2010 season, which brought us Buck Showalter. You know, the first three months of that season right, right. were just absolutely awful. This is even much worse. It's much worse. And it oh, it always feels worse when you're in the middle of it. But yeah. I agree. I agree. Like you know, you can say. Uh, uh, intellectually that well look you know 89 we went and well, we contended till the last weekend of the season yeah but but that's it, not going to happen it, in 2019 though you're right but but you, you know you have to give glimmers of hope to people you know yep. and i don't see where that's coming from you know uh, and, we're we're talking with lee lowenfish baseball writer lifelong oriole fan almost lifelong oriole fan right um we're talking a little bit about the uh the oriole situation Lee, I wanted to flip-flop back. Not that I don't want to have you on again before the season's over to talk Orioles, but we've got about five or six minutes left with you. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the the bigger issues in baseball right now because the sport here in Baltimore, they're down about 30%, 28 to 30% in attendance. But all across the board, uh, there's, there's some significant slippage here. Is the game – changing because of the the defensive uh, metrics the shifting the uh incredible use of relief pitchers to the tune of we're going to have 5000 more strikeouts this year than last year I think and uh, more strikeouts than hits and more strikeouts and hits in given months uh the, for the first time in the history of the game is the game suffering and does it need some changes to some of these things that have come about. And I'm talking most particularly about, do you think we'll see some type of cutting back on the shifting rule by saying the fielders have to be in the infield um, and also maybe reducing the, the number of pitchers that a pitch that a manager can use in a given game? Well, I certainly for the second one, I would be, I would be for the, uh, uh, Reducing the number of pitchers that can uh, you, you do away with the one batter only. I right. mean that that to me slows it down. But uh, as far as the other thing, uh, there's nothing wrong with going to the opposite field. Yeah, there's not. 
And, you know, the thing about Davis this year, you know, whenever he goes to the opposite field, he gets robbed, you know. And, you, you know, like the play that Franco made on him the other night, that was not a good fielder from his rear end, right, you know. Right, But it was a great at-bat, you know. But 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 in terms of, you know, the larger picture, which I'm glad you're raising, I, it's so hard in baseball with no strong leader for decisions to be made. I mean, just see what Gardner and uh, Adam Jones or... Uh, especially Gardner the other day, the Yankees was complaining about being fined for taking too much time in the batter's box. Right. You know, uh, there's always somebody going to be hurt by a change of rule, you know, and, and what's interesting is supposedly the owners pushed for a larger, uh, roster. If some of these pace of play things were put in, but the players wanted no part of it, you know, so, uh, you see, part of the problem in baseball, and I I don't have the prescription, but I think this is the analysis, is that there's no real leadership from the commissioner except on very small things. And he's got 30 different constituencies. And the players have, what, what 600 different constituencies. Yeah. And, mo- and most of them thought they'd be multimillionaires by now. So it's, it's and, and the, the contract's still got two more years to run. So... Uh, in terms of declining attendance, well, where the crunch is going to come is when TV money starts drawing, being reduced. And I, that's that's a very interesting subject, but I, it's still the greatest game. It just should not have the, the, the delays they have and the emphasis on the three true outcomes, you know, of the walks, the strikeouts, and the home runs has to be, that has to be subordinated some somewhat and uh but how that's going to happen i don't know but there's so many i don't recall a year when so many teams were out of it so early hey lee one of the things about and we've got about two minutes um one of the things about shifting there's a lot of things in baseball that seem to start lower in the minor leagues and then they kind of catch on and start taking place at the major league level. Do you have any idea, are they shifting as much in the minor leagues? And the reason I'm asking is I'm wondering, I, I read Scott Boris's very interesting comments. They're somewhat self, uh, self-absorbed self about the, the role that this is particularly taking on left-handed power hitters. Right, um, well, he was about Harper. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. But, but, I'm, but my question, let me just finish the question is because when you say there's nothing wrong with going the other way, if hitters were younger, you know, 19 to 22, and started seeing shifts in the minors, don't you think that would force them to start doing it at a younger age? Well, it's my answer to you is that it's beginning to happen a lot in college. In fact, North Carolina, okay. who made the College World Series Final Eight, North Carolina invested a lot in analytics, and they were the most analytic-oriented of the college teams. As it, and more and more players are coming out of colleges because the owners think that it, it's a quicker route to mm-hmm. the big leagues. You're going to see that, and you, and you see how everything's connected with this band because they, the College World Series set the, the dubious record of the longest games in their history. Yeah. They had a nine inning game that went over four hours. Wow. And all of them went up well over three. So it's, uh, uh, 
you know, the, 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 the real fan doesn't care about lengths of game or even lengths of extra inning games, you know, whether the, the, the casual fan wants, uh, wants this and wants to speed up. I, I don't know. I mean, that's something to be, uh, to really be discussed thoroughly. You know, but, but, it's interesting yeah. what, what the real fans may want and where Rob Manfred may be misjudging is maybe the fans don't, it's not the time of game, it's the action within the game that might be missing with all it, these strikeouts. Exactly, and as somebody pointed out the other day, uh, with all this talk about getting the youth movements involved, the, the kids and everything, the the country is getting older. There's a lot of graying going on. I mean, I'm I'm in my now upper seventies, and I I plan to be watching for a long time. And there are a lot of other people like me, and and you know that's a market and an age group that shouldn't be totally ignored. Yeah. And and we're we're we are turned off by these incessant pitching uh, changes and and strikeouts being you know no longer uh, considered a bad thing. All right, Lee, we got to leave it at that. We got another guest coming up in just a couple minutes. Always a pleasure to touch base with you. Always uh, get a lot of wisdom from talking to you. Uh, well, and, you and, know, it's, 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 it's the only thing you need to know is that the ball is round and the bat is round and you got to hit it square. Okay? And you got red stitches. <laughs> All right. All hey, right. thanks, Stan. Always Thank a pleasure. All right. There you go. Lee Lowenfish, always one of my favorite guests on the show to get deep into the game of baseball. Speaking of getting deep into something, you can get a free sports physical and see and greet Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July the 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit LifeBridge.org slash sport event to learn more. Get a free sports physical and see Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit LifeBridgeHealth.org slash sport event to learn more. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat $4.99 fee for the entire league. Not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup. Football picks. It continues. MLB playoffs. They'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5.00 including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi.
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. In the market for a used car? Stop. Stop looking at used cars and go buy a new Mitsubishi from Jerry's. New Mitsubishis are more fuel efficient, have the latest safety and comfort features, and come with a 100,000 mile warranty. And during Jerry's red, white, and blue sale, new Mitsubishi Mirages start from under $11,000. Plus, new Mirages get 35 miles per gallon city, 41 highway. Do it. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. Price plus tax tags and freight ends July 9th. And we're back on the bat around. And before we get into our talking to our next guest, uh, former producer of the show, Bonza Tufa, who's been kind enough to join us. We were in a pinch and we had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get a guest for the show. Bonza Tufa will join us on the phone in just a second. Got to tell you a little bit about uh, Big Bats. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar located 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down, or if you're coming back from the eastern shore, there's no place better to stop. You can relax and eat. Great pit stop place. Great to watch the Orioles, the Nats, when they're in their seasons, the Wizards, the Caps, Maryland football, Big Ten football, uh, college basketball, and you can sample the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. Again, if you're driving down to the eastern shore, you get across the Bay Bridge. The first exit is Stevensville. You come up to the stop sign and make a left, and a quarter of a mile down, you'll have a little piece of sports heaven. It's called Big Bats. Tell Steve Garland, the owner, that you heard about it from Stan the Fan. All right. Joining us now is a, a longtime friend and producer of the show. Uh, he left us about, guess what, about six, seven months ago, Brett? Yeah, back in the end of January. End of January last year as uh, Bonza Tufa, and he joins us now on the phone. Bonza, how are you? I hope you're not torturing Brittany too much. Nah, well, you know, she, she is a good bit better than you. She really uh, is. That's what Craig told me, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, we only say that because we love you so much. How's the how's the weather down? How's the weather down in Virginia today? Hello. How's the weather down in Virginia today? Hello. You there, Stan? I can hear you. Hello, Stan. Britt. Yeah, we've lost him. 
We lost him. Can you can you call him off the air and see if we can get him back? Bonzatufa joining us, and it was working fine a moment ago, but we lost our man, Bonzatufa. Still to come, still to come. There he is. What's up? Hey, dude, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. We played a little prank on our uh, Brittany Everett here. Bonzatufa, grab this. Grab this microphone, and is it going to be possible to get him on camera? Okay. We uh, played a little prank to get you in here today. Bonza's back around here. He's living amongst us. You're back home now, aren't you? Let me see if this works. Yes, I can hear myself. Yes, I am back. All right. Nice surprise, Brittany. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Welcome. And, Welcome. And you know what made it so great is she diplomatically handled I kept bad-mouthing you. <laughs> And you were bad mouthing me, and she was she wouldn't buy into anything totally, but she sort of wanted to side with each of us individually. I like how you actually like hung up on the phone and was ready to call me back. I made I, sure to I get here quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't know why, but it's a habit for me to surprise people now. I did that with my parents because I was on vacation for a week from Washington and Lee. Okay, but I didn't tell my parents I was coming home. So I made the three-hour drive, but instead of going straight home, I actually went to Towson. I met up with Ben, our boss. Shout out to Ben Rosenbaum. I know he's watching. How about those Capitals, by the way, Ben? He's a he's a Flyers <laughs> fan. Oh, don't worry. I got him a bunch oh, with you, that. Oh, so you're really <laughs> stinging him. Okay. But, um, so I made my way to Towson. They had a softball game. I just wanted to watch. And by the time I got home, it was like 9 in the evening. And I'm thinking, if I knock on the door at 9 in the evening, my parents, parents are going to be gonna so right, scared. They're going to call the police. <laughs> so I called my mom on the way back from Towson, just seeing how she's doing and all. Right. And then she was going to eat dinner. So right. I was like, okay, fine. Call me back. She forgot to call me back. So so you had to call her? Yeah. So I pulled up to the front door. Right. And I called her. And I'm like, how you doing, mom? She's like, oh, I'm doing fine. Then I asked her. Can you do me a favor? And right. she's like, what the hell type of favor do you need? I'm three hours away from you. Right. And then she's I like, said, can you open the door? I was like, can you open the front door? And she's like, what do you mean? And then I rang the doorbell. <laughs> and like after a second of silence, all I hear is, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I could hear her running down the stairs uh, from outside. Right. And right. when she opened the door, she forgot to turn our security system off. So I come in, she hugs me, and I just hear this incessant Siren. beeping in the background. And I had to get away from the hug because I did not want, you know, the AD ADT to call us right. <laughs> and bring the cops over here. But it was like, it was just the perfect surprise. She had no idea it was coming. So how was uh, working at Washington and Lee? It was great. I yeah. really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, the way circumstances have played out, I can't go back. Okay. So I'm back home now. Um, might well, get a job soon, though. All right. But Washington Lee was a lot of fun. It's a very quiet town. It's a very stark difference from being in Silver Spring or Towson and then going to so, a town of 7,000 people. I mean, Towson's got 20,000. That's a college campus. Right. And this town has 7,000. So Including the college campus. Yes. Is, is there much there aside from the college? They have a subway. They do have a subway. Surprisingly. Subway and McDonald's. Wait a minute. You mean a subway? <laughs> the, no, the, the restaurant. The restaurant. The restaurant. <laughs> No, not okay. the actual they train. They have a subway and a McDonald's. They don't even have a public bus, so uh, they have a Walmart, and that's about it. So you, how long you been home? A couple of weeks? I came home in uh, mid-May. Okay. So it's been about a month, about, month and a okay. half now. You, you must have been planning a surprise to me when I reached out to you this week because you said something that struck me odd. You said, yeah, I'm going to stop by to see you pretty soon. Yeah. And that was about three weeks ago. I did the exact same thing to my dad when I surprised him. That was the day before I came. 
So he totally expected me to come like the next week or two. No, I came the next day after that. Good for you. Good for you. Um, How much attention have you been able to put on the the Orioles and the Nationals from uh, a little bit afar, but now back? back home well with the Orioles I don't really want to pay much attention the way this season has gone I've been paying more attention since I got home um I've been trying to pay attention in Lexington but then the Capitals playoff run kind of took over that but um both teams have been struggling in the past month and a half now the Nationals are starting to turn it around but it was just a really tough stretch they they got kind of very interestingly lucky they had that team meeting and then they had the players Atlanta only. loses two in a row because yeah. the Nat, the Nats were seven back mm-hmm. after uh, bef- before their team meeting, right? And now suddenly they're five back, and they got a tiny bit of momentum going. Well, you know, you know that game against the Marlins a couple down of days nine ago, nine to nothing. Yeah. I was like thinking, wow, that's great. But at the same time, I was also thinking, wait, it's the Marlins, like. We shouldn't be down nine nothing against the Marlins. Of course, except you got Jeremy Hellickson who pitched like he did with the Orioles. Apparently, now he has a major league job. It's rather astounding. Apparently, he's not. A, he wasn't a hundred percent either when yeah. he pitched. Yeah. But I mean, there's no excuse for allowing nine runs against yeah. the Marlins in a matter of four innings. Yeah. But it was nice to see them come back. I mean, but I think you you hit the nail on the head. The, the important thing was the win last night to mm-hmm. double down on it. Now I think they have a. Decent chance to win three out of four against well, the Marlins. I think this is their time to turn it around. They yep. had two meetings. They had a Max Scherzer-led meeting, and then they had a players-only meeting the day after that. And then the next day is when they had the big comeback. So if the season turns around, it's because of that comeback against the Marlins. And we'll have to wait and see. I had to see them face tougher opponents and see if they can pull it off. It's nice that they were able to come back, and then they had a walk-off, but can they keep it going? There's three managers in baseball that have had that that had no major league managerial experience that popped in. Dave Martinez, Aaron Boone, and and Alex Cora. The three of them, uh, two of the three of them, Very have successful. gotten got, been incredibly successful. Right. Hasn't been as easy for Dave Martinez. Is it more what they inherited, or are they part of either the success or the the mediocreness of the uh, Nationals. I think you have to cut them a slight break because they've been having a ton of injuries as well. And it's just like when it's one person coming back, it's another coming out. Strasburg is out. Weeders has been out. That's the big thing, that catcher position. There's just not been much depth. And it's one of these times where I really miss Wilson Ramos. Yeah, Ramos was such a great catcher for the Nationals for several years, and then he tore his ACL, and he – got signed with the Rays, but it's one of those times I where I wish... If there's any chance the Nats could, you know, they're, they're clearly not getting JT Real Muto from the, uh, from the, from the, the Marlins. Marlins. Do you think there's a chance that they reach out to their former catcher? Is that in the price range of not just acquiring him, right. but maybe signing him to a two-year deal? Well, I just don't know who they can give away. I mean, there's yeah. not much they can give away. And you can't really trade catcher for catcher or something like that because, I mean, Severino's a young guy. Weeders is injury prone. And you have Keyboom. I don't really know much about Keyboom, but he has come up big a couple times. So it's just a spot where I don't know if they really can do anything or who they can give away for it. And even then, you look at our offensive players. Murphy came back from injury, but he's not been performing that no, well. No. Harper's having a 2016-type season. He had a great start going, in, and he's just been in a massive slump. In the past 90 days or so, I don't know what's going on with him. You know, Rendon has finally starting to pick it up a bit. 
What would you make of some of the Scott Boris comments? Did you read that? Uh, about sorry, the, I didn't get a chance to read it. What okay. do you say? Well, he basically really said that this shifting thing is particularly discriminatory against left hand. He made a very interesting case about it. Eddie Matz, right. my cousin, uh, who writes for ESPN.com, did a nice piece on it, and he made a point. And it's interesting because when you when you place Harper and you place his picture over Chris Davis, you know I'm not saying Chris Davis is is as good as Bryce Harper, but skill set somewhat similar, and the results are just pretty astoundingly bad for both of them. I think it's true. The shift does hurt lefties more than righties. I feel like because most pitchers are righties, lefties can see the ball better compared to a left-handed pitcher. They have the ability to pull a ball more Yeah. because it's harder for a lefty to pull against a lefty. It's harder for a righty to pull against a righty, in my opinion. I agree. So, you know, you have a lot of lefties, and a lot of lefties tend to pull. That's just a habit. You don't see too many lefties go the other way unless they're Ichiro. But most of these lefty power hitters, all they do is pull it. Harper pulls. Chris Davis pulls. They all pull the ball to right. So here's my question, and I can't say I've been sitting on this question for months. We all say, well, nothing's stopping Chris Davis or Bryce Harper from bunting or going the other way. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what stops them from going the other way is they haven't been up against the shifting until the last two or three seasons, Mm -hmm. and it's accelerating, not decelerating is is it necessary how much shifting is going on in the minor leagues and might that be part of the solution is starting to get minor league teams to shift so hitters begin to get more used to how to compete against it i've seen shifting in college baseball let alone minors even yesterday i used to work for the cal ripkin collegiate baseball league right and i was at a game yesterday they shifted on one of our hitters in gaithersburg He's a righty. They had three infielders to the left side. So shifting is becoming more commonplace, not just in professional league, but even in the major leagues. I remember when Towson faced Maryland in baseball. We have a lefty named Richard Miller. All he does is pull the ball. They had three men on the right side, and a complete overshift. The second baseman was in shallow right field for Maryland. So shifting is becoming more commonplace because there's more scouting going on. But it's just hard for a guy like Davis or Harper to bunt. That's just not their thing. Yeah. Harper maybe because he's faster, but for a guy like Davis, he doesn't move that well. It's just not natural for him to try and change his swing and put it the other way. The only time he can go the other way is when he homers or hits a deep fly ball. But right. like trying to hit a ground ball down the third baseline or bunt it, it's just n- not part of their repertoire, yeah. I guess. And it's just hard for them to try and change it. But at the same time, it can pay off. I've seen Robinson Cano bunts his way into a double because he bunted against a shift yep. and there was nobody for 80 feet away. Right, right. So It's interesting. It's I, interesting. I, I uh, applaud the shift. I think the shift is a great thing because it works. Do you think Do you think there will be changes to the shift, modifications? There's talk of, about perhaps allowing as much shifting as possible but saying, but the infielders can't, can't be off the grass, Not, you know, on the grass. Right. They have to be on the dirt. No, I think shifting is part of the game, and it's just a smart tactic. I ne- I rarely see a shift go wrong. Yeah, you might have a double play nullified because of a shift where the typical place of a second baseman is not there and such, and that's just the risk I, of it. I understand it's part of the game, and, and I applaud it's how smart it is to do it, but as an industry, is the game losing something because there's so little? When you combine the shifting with the increase in this, you know, uh, exit velocity and the launch angle, 
the strikeouts are enormous. So what you have is a lot of baseball. And don't get me wrong, I love baseball. Right. There's always something interesting that happens. But the action is at an all-time low. Yeah, it's just that's modern-day baseball now. It's either you strike out, you walk, or you hit homers. But you know what? Homers are not affected by the shift. Yeah. Well, so. but, but, you know, back in 1968 when Bob Gibson had an ERA of 1.06, uh, they changed the rule. They changed. They lowered the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball has always made. You know, then when American League was especially in a drought with offense, they came up with the designated hitter. You can't sit too long and have a a boring product. Yeah, but you know, people love the long ball, and people love the World Series this past year because of the amount of home runs that was hit what was it, game five, when it was 13-12 to 12 and the Astros had like five home well, runs? But, but doing away with shifting isn't necessarily the same thing as saying, well, let's do away with home runs. Right, right, right. You're just trying to get more action into the game. I can see like maybe just keep the infielders in the infield. Yeah. But what about having four outfielders? Would you take that out too? We've seen that a couple of times this year where we've had you know Chris Bryant in left field, so you have four outfielders right. for the Cubs. I probably wouldn't take that away because that leads more. What we're talking about is trying to get more space out there for hitters to get hits. That actually adds more space to get singles. Right. So I and don't know. What about designated hitter? Uh, we saw Dylan Bundy two weeks ago today run the bases, something he's not used to doing, turns an ankle. We've had other pitchers get hurt. Who was it? Was it was it Scherzer a couple of years ago? Who was an other pitcher that got it? was a pretty big-name pitcher. I can't recall. That got hurt in interleague play. Um, has the time come when you're putting that much, that many dollars into pitching, developing it, acquiring it via free agency? Is it smart to have pitchers up there batting, bunting, something that they don't do as often. I don't know. I kind of love seeing Max Scherzer get base hits and home runs. That's one of the most exciting things I've ever seen was when he homered against the Marlins last year. You're a young guy that's old school. (laughs) That's what you are. You're a young guy that's old school. Before the DH, the pitcher had to hit, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it is going old school in the fact that the pitcher always had to hit. And there's some pitchers who can hit. I don't mind seeing the pitcher, you know, at the plate trying to hit. And, you know, I I don't mind the DH either, but, you know – I'm not against pitchers hitting. I think from an economic standpoint, it really makes a lot more sense to to codify the rule, have one rule for both the American and the oh, National Oh, yeah, League. I can understand and, that. And, and do away with putting pitchers in a risky situation. I think it— Are we taking a break, or we're going to go right to our guest in five minutes? We can go right to the guest. And then we only have one break left, yes. correct? Okay. All Steve right. Molesky's going to come up, right? Steve Molesky's coming up. I got some up. questions to ask uh, him. I bet you do. <laughs> Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com is going to join us in a couple minutes. Bonza Tufa has dropped by, former producer of the show and a friend of the show and somebody I respect an awful lot. That's the first what, time you ever hear that. Despite what I He's said He's only this saying morning. it because we're on air. I called, you, I called you a loser about five times this morning. I was expecting worse. Never, she never stood up for you, but she never... But she never said, "Yeah, he's a loser." You know. I mean, I but love you, Bob. She, she didn't. She didn't stand up for me. Hey, at least Craig is not here. I can imagine the stuff Craig would say if he was here. So. Craig, uh, unbelievably filling in for Phil Wood on the Masson mm-hmm. Show, the Nat Show that airs ten to twelve. Phil Wood had open heart surgery, and then last week, Mike Wallace, who co-hosts that Nat Show with Phil Wood, 
had a heart episode on the show during yeah. the taping of it. Very scary, but he's doing well, I understand. Yeah, that's what Craig said on Facebook. And it's kind of weird because now he's, you know, in the Nats broadcast on the radio. He's down there. Who, Mike is? No, Craig. Craig, yeah. So, like, I was with my brother coming from the game, and I, I hear Craig Heiss, and I'm, like, saying, dude, I know that guy. I know that guy. I worked with him all the time. And now, he's he is just, a loser. <laughs> Craig yeah, Heiss. we know that. We yeah, know that. Yeah. Always making fun of me on Facebook and such. I mean, yeah. doesn't he have anything better yeah. to do? I mean, you got a speeding ticket one time. He never let you get over We that. don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I actually, when going here, I'm so used to coming to Towson this way. Yeah. I actually took the wrong exit coming over here, and I had to take a little detour. Because I, I was supposed to go past 695 on I-70 to Security Boulevard, but instead I went on 695, and I thought, ah, crap. I'm gonna oh, be you like, did that today? Yes, I did that oh, today. Oh, God, okay. So... But All right, we're talking with Bonza too. For Bonza, who uh, give give me your um quickly looking up. By the way, England now at the seventy five minute mark has a two nothing lead over Sweden. That's my home team. I was Sweden's, born in England. Oh, okay. Sweden. I was born oh yeah, England. fun I fact about Bonza. I did not know that. Yep, I did not home. know that. So let's let's look around baseball in the next couple minutes. Boston has now had. Uh, gotten a two-game lead over the Yankees, but they're way far better than anybody else in the American League. Is The Indians, by the sheer fact they play 72 of their 162 games against the Twins, Tigers, yeah, White Sox, division. and Royals. Horrible. <laughs> Houston and Seattle are hanging in there, and i got to give the Athletics credit. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, but they might scare the Pajizis out of the Mariners. But how about bit. the Mariners? That's actually quite a surprise, yeah, too. Great and story. You know, people would say, oh, the Seattle's going to crack soon. They haven't cracked yet. And they don't have Robbie Cano, obviously, because he got suspended. And they're still able to perform well. They got a no-hitter as well with but, Paxton. But the, the, the interesting thing with them is if you told me that King Felix was having a big year, I'd say, well, that's fueling it. They've got Paxton, who's an ace yeah. right now, but yet a fragile ace because of potential health. Mm-hmm. But then after that, Felix Hernandez, ERA over five. Then Marco Gonzalez and Mike Leak are their next two guys. And who is even their fifth starter? Is Iwakuma still there? No, he's, okay. he hasn't pitched yet this year. Okay. I can't even think of who the fifth starter yeah. is right now. But it's been really astounding with the loss of Cano that they've been – um, their their general manager has done a terrific well, it's job. it's convenient they got D. Gordon. Yeah. That helps. That helps a lot, especially with a situation like Robbie Cano being gone. I think that helps them a lot because Gordon is a good hitter, and he's got a ton of speed. Well, their general manager, whose name escapes me right now, and he's one of my favorite, DePino, uh, De, uh, Jerry DePoto, De Jerry okay. DePoto, has done an excellent job um, taking the $11 million that they didn't have to pay Robinson Cano because of the suspension mm-hmm. and immediately acquiring Denard Spann and Alex yes. Colome. Uh and of course they've got the best closer in the game right now Edwin Diaz who's mm-hmm. done a remarkable job I think Denard Spann's underrated uh, I've seen what he could do with Washington job. and he's yeah. a great player yeah so anyway uh, American League really looks like it's a five-team race from here on in to to who's going to make it to the World that, Series. That AL lease is a throwback to 2003-2004. Yeah. It's kind of incredible how the Red Sox and Yankees have just taken over with brand new managers. I honestly didn't – I expected them to be good. Yep. But to be at this level of excellence is 
quite astounding. And you got, of course, both teams had their dynamic duo of JD and Mookie, who've been incredible. And then you got Giancarlo and Judge, who continue to hit home runs. All right, joining us now uh, from the Matson uh, from MatsonSports.com is good friend Steve Molesky. Steve, welcome in. I'm sitting here with my former producer, who stopped in today to surprise us, Bonza Tufa. Go Tigers! You know it. You That's know right. it. <laughs> Two Tigers there. Two Tigers. How you guys there. doing? Uh, we're doing great. We're doing great. Um, how much time are you spending right now on just monitoring all the Manny Machado noise right now? <laughs> I mean, you have to follow it, but I'll tell you my experience of the trade deadlines over many years has been that uh, there's a lot of rumor and speculation and a lot less action. Of course, this year we expect some action with the Orioles, and Manny seems almost certain to go, so... You pay more attention to it, but handicapping it is difficult. And as you guys know, it might look one day like Team X is really coming hard, and then all of a sudden we read the next day that the same team thinks the Orioles want too much, and now this other team is in it. So um, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting month, let's put it that way. Um I very rarely ever say to you, hey, I've got a great idea for a Steve Molesky article, but I did a little research yesterday because of my after bird watching show, which got booted last night because of Wi-Fi difficulties. It's unbelievable what kind of problems I'm having. But anyway, the trade that the Tigers made with Arizona last year with J.D. Martinez going over there July 18th, mm-hmm. 2017 – they acquired the Tigers acquired three players back, and um, they all were infielders: Dewal Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and a teenager who's just nineteen now, which means he was eighteen a year ago. Jose King. I think there's a a little bit of a roadmap there as to what the the highest the Orioles could really hope to get um, in, in a total package for Manning. Well, you, you just don't know. I mean, there was the Araldus Chapman deal, which I think brought five players, including Glaber Torres. Um, and, you know, that's that's the one people look at and go, wow, can you get a haul like that for a rental? Well, they did. And then they got him back. So, you, you know, what you really need is, which I think we're going to see here, is a couple contenders going hard and fighting for him because, as Ken Rosenthal wrote, this might be the best rental player ever available, and he clearly can be a difference maker. And while fans have criticized his defense at short, I think he's he can be a good shortstop defensively. And you bring a premium bat at a premium defensive position. Uh, and a acquiring team may look at it as it's our chance to make a great impression to try to retain him. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to go hard after Manny, and the way the National League East is shaping up in some of these races, you know, teams are going to have to take a look at it. Hey, Steve, uh, I got a question actually for both of you, but I'll let you answer first. With Machado going to short, has that increased his value or decreased his value so far this season? I think it's increased. Um, let's let's be honest, he hasn't played a dynamic great shortstop. Uh, I thought he, he would be a little better but I think teams know he can play third obviously they've mm-hmm. seen it mm-hmm. and um, the skill set is there for Machado to be a good shortstop 
Um, and most teams uh, would love to have an offensive shortstop. So he's not a liability. I don't buy the defensive metrics, which rate him so low, as the worst. There's no way he's the worst. There just isn't. That arm alone. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not a, you, you know, I'm a really not a big believer in defensive metrics. I don't understand mm-hmm. them. Um, even people who believe in them, uh, I think, um, I forget one of the writers just wrote about it who's very, one of the real is it Eno guys. Eno Saras? That's the guy. Yeah, Eno Eno actually took up for Machado, saying that while That's the numbers are down, that they they are too small a sample to really. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this yeah. is the guy who's wedded to these stats. I mean, he knows it better than any. I mean, this is, rules his life practically, and he he himself is saying, "Don't totally buy it." Yeah, and so uh, I do think the general managers in baseball. Look at Manny Machado and say he can play shortstop. And he's not um, interrupting Simmons, not even close. But he can grow into being better, and I just think uh, – I don't think it hurt his value. Well, moving on from individual value, looking at the team, I know – I haven't been following the Orioles as much because I've been away. But I've seen people complain when Tim Beckham was there how his play at third wasn't that great. And then Scope was injured, I believe, as well. Yeah. But do you think Machado being at short kind of messed up the infield defense? Because when you think of the infield defense, you thought Machado at third, Scope at second, Davis at first, and then Beckham after Hardy left. And that was a pretty good core infield. But has it changed now with Machado moving to short and Beckham playing at third when I he's healthy? I think what would happen is, let's say, let's rewind the clock. Manny never moves. He plays a great third base. Beckham goes to short. And we're going to find out that Beckham comes up short at short. Mm-hmm. And... Then fans are going to be writing to our blogs and calling your shows saying, Manny would have made that play up the middle. Manny would have turned two there. Yeah. Beckham didn't get in the hole. Manny's arm would have gotten that out in reverse. Uh, and so yeah, yeah. I think the bottom line here is you have two players. One's a really good defensive player, and one is mediocre on yeah. defense, and maybe mm-hmm. not even, and that's the issue. You know, you know what the thing really shows, though, is how valuable J.J. Hardy was when he was healthy and able to go to the post, how he was the glue to this whole thing, though. Doesn't it, Steve? And it shows how guys like Mike Bordick and J.J. Hardy yep. uh, should be so appreciated for their unbelievable pitch-to-pitch focus. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I don't think I don't, I don't, we saw it and we didn't. We, probably didn't appreciate it uh because you can if you let your guard down for a half second something can go wrong and did jj ever have his clock you know like they say manny sometimes you could see early on his clock as buck says wasn't right. quite right right jj never had that no he didn't did we ever watch jj hardy make a play and say jj should have got rid of that ball sooner right. no we never did <laughs> right. right and so you're right stan jj was something hey uh following this this trade talk a little bit. Is there any surprise that you could see at the last minute, Steve? Uh, and I guess I'm mostly with O'Day and Blyer both hurt and untradeable. I guess I'm pointing merely to Trumbo. Do you see anybody aside from the people we've talked about, Machado, Britton, Brock, and maybe Adam Jones, is there any surprise candidates to be dealt? I mean, I think the surprise would be if the Orioles – Trade players who have more than 
who are not pending free agents. Right. If they trade play, if they trade a Jonathan Scope, if they traded uh, Kevin Gosman, if they packaged Tanner Scott or something with one of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all players that we kind of assuming are part of their future. And yet, if you're truly going to rebuild, um, you might have to part with things you don't want to part with to make the package returning better. And so um, there could be some of that, and I think the Orioles should look at some of that. I'm not advocating trading the players I mentioned. I'm just saying they have to be open to everything right now because it's gotten so bad they really have to be open to any possibility that could help them. We're talking with Steve Molesky of Masson Sports. Steve, I know you know the minor leagues better than anybody in town, and that's because you've worked it really hard. And I know you know Gary Rasich pretty well and Brian Graham pretty well. Uh, the Orioles got this kid from Oregon State, the World Series champions in college baseball, uh, Caden Grenier. And normally, uh, I'm not used to seeing somebody jump up to start at Delmarva like a week out of the Baseball World Series. Um, they must really like this guy. Are they force-feeding him a little higher to see if he sticks, uh, or, do they, or do they really think this is purely his level right now? I mean, I think um, most of those kids, top college players, could probably go to Delmar. Yeah. I think most years they send him to Aberdeen because what happens is when you draft a college player coming off a long college season, the first year in the pros is mm-hmm. not that big. It's about getting him in the system, getting him some at-bats or some innings, let him learn the Orioles' methods, let him learn the Orioles' coaches, get to know him, let him get to know you. And that's really what that first season's about. You get drafted, you get to a team in July, and there's only, you know, I mean, the minor league season's end Labor Day, so... You're there for a month or two. You get indoctrinated. I think in this specific case of Grenier, you had a player who played as much as anybody in college because they went to the final game. Yep. So they didn't have to give him any downtime. He's ready to go. And the complicating factor here was Adam Hall, a young shortstop who's starting every day at Aberdeen, who they need to get reps. He needs to play. And I think the Orioles look at it as two of our best shortstop prospects are Grenier and Hall. They can't be on the same team because we want them both to play just about every day here. Mm-hmm. And so I would think as the season goes on, Grenier might not play every day. We'll, we'll see how he holds up. And so right now they're just kind of letting him roll with it right into his pro career. It's not that big a jump for him, I don't think. But this kid's supposed to be really good and could move fast, so. And, and uh, just real quick, it went past me uh, the last week. Did we sign Blaine Knight, the pitcher from Arkansas? They signed him for $1.1 million. He got a nice overslot okay. bonus. Good. The deal got done, and they signed 32 uh, draft picks. And so that was a good Yeah, that was a good get. signing. Okay. Bonza. Yeah. I wanted to ask, you're talking about young players. Here's a young player in the Orioles team that kind of surprised me in terms of how much he's struggling. What's going on with Trey Mancini? I I don't know. I mean, he like I've heard a sophomore slump, but this has been all season almost. He has had a lot of struggles this year, and I think he just keeps fighting himself and beating himself up, and he takes it so hard. And <clears throat> I mean, Trey and Scope, we just did not expect this, and right. so um, just got to keep working and fight his way out of it. I mean, I still I still see times where I see his bat. 
be quick to the ball, and like he drove that home run, and maybe it was in Philly the other day, I, I forget where, and it looked like the old Trey, and, you know, he's briefly shown flashes, but he, he has not been locked into any big stretch of hitting here. Is is Jonathan Scope fully healthy? Is he 100%? As far as I know, yeah, he is. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, no one, as they say, no one's 100% this deep into the season. That's There's always true. things, but it's... Uh, no injury issues I know of. Hey, Steve, uh, when the Orioles uh, moved Cedric Mullins up from Double A Bowie to um, Norfolk, got off to a, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise, but he didn't hit the ground running. Uh, he was batting about 156 through his first 40 at bats. Now I pop up like two and a half weeks later. He's hitting 277. Uh, his one base percentage is very respectable. DJ is having a, a not a great year, but a pretty decent year. Do you think we'll see both of them in the second half of this season? I think season? we'll see Mullins for sure. DJ Stewart has cooled off a little bit. Yep. And so Mullins right now is just really hot. It's been a three- or four-week run of 300-plus hitting with power and speed. And I'm frankly a little puzzled why they just they don't bring him here now. Yeah. Because if he struggles, I think he could handle it. And... I think it's time <laughs> for Mullins. Uh, uh, what I hope they don't do, and I've seen the Orioles do this, is a guy tears it up for a month, cools off for eight days, and then that's when they call him. So right now his bat is hot. His confidence level is high. As Buck said, his defense is good. I don't know what the issue is, um, what they're working at worrying about, whether maybe they – I'm just speculating here. If they put him in center, would Adam move? I think he would. Is that uh, too controversial to do at this point? Who knows? But, um, you know, you could put Mullins in right. He's played the corner, too, so he should be here. We're talking with Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com. Hey, Steve, you know this is coming. You and I, Towson alum, I got to ask you a couple questions about the Tigers. So, um, football team, 50th anniversary. There's got to be a lot going on with that football team, and I'm guessing you're going to be going to some of the games. You better believe it, yeah. It's it's a, it's a neat thing. It's the 50th year football at Towson. And I saw recently they had there's the four coaches back. Um, there's only been four head coaches in the history of the program, yep. Carl Runk and Phil Albert and Gordy Combs and Rob Ambrose. And a couple of them were on each other's staff. So, I mean, it's just been a really continuous link there. Gordy was an assistant for Albert and uh, uh, Rob was an assistant for Gordy, and now Gordy's in the radio booth with Spiro. So it's all kind of (laughs) tied together. And Carl Runk, I'll tell you a story. When I was an undergraduate at Towson, uh, they had me broadcast lacrosse games, and I knew very little about lacrosse, and I was very honest to tell Carl Runk, Coach Runk, I'm doing these games. I don't know much about lacrosse, so when I ask stupid questions, can you humor me? And he could not have been nicer. Yeah. You, I'm sure you guys have. He's a great met guy, him. Carl Runk. Yeah. He By the way, Prince, we had Prince Tim. Man. We had Tim Leonard on our TV show about ten days ago, two weeks ago. The special fifty dollar price for season tickets. So in other words, you want two season tickets for five games. You know, you and your brother, you and your grandfather you and your uncle or a husband and wife if they're still talking to each other uh, by the end of the week tick one ticket is fifty dollars for the whole season so two is a hundred uh to 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 commemorate commemorate 
50 years of Towson football. It's pretty cool. It's a good price, and those of us who buy season tickets appreciate that (laughs) and look forward to the first game late in September as the first home game. And the tailgating has gotten really good over there. It's fun. It's a good day. The the, the parking is free in a couple of those lots right by the stadium. So, I mean, the Tigers do a lot right to get people out, and it's a lot of fun. All right. Switching from Towson football to Towson baseball. How about Richard Palacios? Have you tracked him at all? You know, I was doing a little research and work about uh, him before the draft because there was a lot of buzz with the Orioles. Uh, They'd seen him. They liked him. Uh, Buck even had mentioned him a couple times. And so I thought, here's a good chance the Orioles would draft him. And I actually reached out to Towson Sports Information. Hey, if uh, the Orioles draft this kid, can you hook me up with an interview? And they were prepared to do it mm-hmm. and then of course they went to i believe cleveland i think got him yeah third round so yeah i don't know too much really? about uh, what's happened since yeah. though well yeah. towson got very lucky because he was very under recruited but let me tell you when he played what position is he i think he first was drafted shot. but he was short. drafted as a second baseman okay. i believe he played okay. short at towson in uh um i believe it's the arizona league that he was playing in he first at bat he hit a home run and he batted 438 in five games now he's wow. playing for the short season single A team. Right. So hey, Steve, if you want to see him, if he doesn't get promoted by later on this month, he is going to Aberdeen. Yeah, I mean that'd be that'd be good. I mean I have enough trouble keeping up with the Oriole guy. Fair point. But, uh, Fair point. I wish him well, and man, that's um, that's pretty cool. Let's see if I can find him here. He's um, batting three forty two right now with the Scrappers. In ten games, what city is that? That's their short know. season. Uh, Scrappers, I like that. It's name. called Mahoning Valley, I think. Okay, so oh, he's in Mahoning Valley now. Yeah. Is that in Ohio or Pennsylvania? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He is. I just looked at you're right. Three forty-two in ten games. Boy, he's yeah. doing well. He's a great player. He comes from a baseball family. His dad played for the Tigers organization. His uncle played for the Royals. So he's got a lot of help going on in that family. And his brother plays for the uh, Blue Jays organization. Hey, Steve, before we let you go, we talked a little bit about Grenier, and and I got confirmation, which I thought they had signed Knight because I hadn't heard otherwise, but I hadn't seen that. Is there anybody else, you know, when you get a draft class of 24, 26 guys, uh, you know, everybody's got a story. Is there one particularly that struck you from talking to Rasich or, or Dean Albany or any of the guys? I mean, uh, I mean, Blaine Knight is the one they really wanted to get yesterday, and it went down to the last 90 minutes, and he got $1.1 million, which is well over the slot. And, I mean, he just had an incredible year. He went 14-0. and Yep. He won in the College World Series. He pitched Arkansas to the Game 1 win uh, where, you know, they were on the doorstep of winning it. And so uh, he's got a lot of fans because yesterday when we were reporting the news that he had signed, the Arkansas people were just blowing up my Twitter. Um, he, you know, they love this kid. Yep. <clears throat> and when I saw him pitch just very sparingly, he threw a curve and a slider, two very separate breaking pitches that were both look really good. So I think the Orioles are excited how fast he can move. And I know they really, really are excited about Grayson Rodriguez. They think yeah. they got a big, strong, young, talented high school arm who's an articulate kid, a very poised young guy. Where- and so he started his career with a scoreless inning this week, and they'll pitch him. He'll pitch lightly because a high yep. school kid, they'll get him, you know, two innings here, three innings there, and then they'll get him into instructional league and then probably turn him loose at Del Marva next year. And where will Knight, will Knight pitch at Aberdeen? 
I think guess I'll guess that Aberdeen or Delmarva, and I'll guess that Blaine Knight is going to pitch very sparingly yep. because yep. of the long college season. There's no reason to pack a lot of innings on his yep. arm yep. Uh, at this point. So they're going to see him pitch a little bit, but I'll bet it's just a little bit. And then the same thing with him. They'll let him have a winter to rest, and he'll get cranking full full season next year. All right, Stevie, we really appreciate You know, we've been friends for a long time, but I'm not kidding. Uh, you, some of your best work has been over these years at Mass, and you really do a great job keeping everybody abreast of what's going on, both at the major league level, but with a knowledge second to none at the minor league stuff. And you're a Tiger alum. And a Tiger alum. I mean, yep. what's not to like about yep. me? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I you like that. Are, you I like guys that. are very kind. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, we set him up to invite him on again sometime down the road. Yeah, yeah that's what this is really about. All right. Thanks. No, Thanks very happy much. to do it, Stanley. Right. Thanks. Uh, enjoy being with you guys. All right. You too. Take care. Right. Great guy, Steve Molesky. I love right. him. We're going to take a uh, timeout. Let me tell you a little bit about the latest edition of Press Box. Bonza's going to pick one up today. It's available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray. It's at PressBoxOnline.com. Back, wrap things up after this. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcast around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Just, look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Java now. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron. Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He's Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Get a free sports physical and see Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit LifeBridgeHealth.org slash sport event to learn more. And we are back for a final word or two on today's show. So Brit, Brittany Everett is our producer. She took the place of this gentleman to my left. Replaced uh, me. Bonza Tufa. Nobody can replace Bonza just as someday just do it when better, Brittany. Just do better, I guess. Ju- just <laughs> Brittany's better to look at than you. Let's be blunt about it. Well, I mean, anyone's better to look at than me and you. Yeah. So and we Craig already, Heist. Yeah, and Cra- especially Craig. Especially Craig yeah. Heist. Um, is it uh, we we actually got you though pretty good didn't we you did you prank? fooled me yeah. good job our uh, our boss ben was watching i wonder what he was thinking when he was like uh oh they're breaking up with bonds or they don't hear him <laughs> and then it was like wait he's in the studio it's you got me you got me pretty good i have to be honest with you i didn't know that was going to be the wrinkle i thought you'd be talking as you walked in the door the thing where you went are you there are you there and i said i'm hearing you <laughs> Anyway. I was in the back office All just right. to make sure you guys wouldn't hear me through the door. All right. Well, anyway, we do appreciate your coming by, and uh, maybe we'll here. get you in here once in a while. All Why right? not? All right. Sounds good. Brittany Everett, we'll see you next Saturday, the 14th of the month. Yes. All right. New edition of the Bat Around. Uh, yep. New edition of the Bat Around. Uh, Orioles today at 210. Kevin Gausman versus Kyle Gibson. Yes, the Orioles are going to break their losing streak today, right? Another four-game losing streak. (laughs) Kevin Gausman's going to go. We're going to get on the air somehow today with After Bird Watching. We'll figure that out. Um, It's on uh, over 100 times during the baseball season and brought to you by ThompsonAutomotive.com. All right, that does wrap up this edition of the Battle Round. For Bonzatufa, Brittany Everett, I'm Stan the Fan, and we'll see you down the road.